Oh, man. So here's the thing. If you need coffee, if you need to go to the bathroom, you know, take a little time, do that thing, just turn the volume up. I'll, I'll talk loud, we can keep going here. But uh, you don't need my permission to be you at your house, okay? And uh, I love the fact that we get to be online together. I love the fact that uh, you get to wear whatever you want to wear. Um, by the way, that's how church is every single Sunday. If you have never been to our church before, but you're watching us online, and this is the first time you've been able to connect with us uh, live, uh, please understand. When you get to church, whenever all of this kind of simmers down and everything's cool and we can actually talk to each other and hug each other and do all those things again, um, if you're not comfortable with talking and hugging, you're still welcome. We just, just put your hand out and we'll be like, cool, that's all right, and come on in. Um, but uh, we really do. Uh, when we come together as a body of believers to worship Jesus on Sunday morning, again, one, I look forward to that, but two, please just come. We want to be with you. If you can't come, we totally understand that. We're going to keep streaming live uh, once we get back. We have learned so many things. God is using this platform in so many ways that uh, it would be absolutely foolish of us to say, well, we're not doing this anymore. We're going back to just doing church as normal. No, God has connected us with people that, man, we, we have just been either missing or had no access to us. And so we are so glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 36. We've been talking over the course of the last couple of weeks, last three weeks actually now, um, about this thing called chaotic grace. What does it mean to experience the grace of God in the midst of chaos? What does it mean to function in the grace of God in the midst of absolute craziness? How do we do that? What does that look like? How, is there any example in scripture that we can look to and say, man, this is how Jesus did it? Or what did he instruct his disciples on? I have good news for you. The answer to those questions is yes. We're actually going to look at this one today. Um, and you may be somewhat familiar with this passage, and that's really cool. I'm glad for that. If this is the first time you've ever heard this passage of scripture, then that's cool. I'm super glad for that, actually, because I want you to know God's word. I want you to get into it. I want you to test to see if what I say about God's word is actually in there. Okay, so grab your Bible. If you don't have one, again, I want you to put, uh, I need a Bible, or give me a Bible, or free Bible, or I just want the Bible, whatever. Put that in the comments. Um, we will get a new Bible to you, all right? It'll be your Bible, and you can Bible it up with that Bible as much as you want a Bible, okay? Um, but we really, we want that to get in your life, because that is God's Word. It is new and fresh every single day, and He wants to speak to you through that. So please, if you don't have a Bible that you understand when you read it, if you read it and it says a bunch of stuff that's thee and thou and thus and such, and you're just like... <laughs> I don't know who thee is. I don't super know who thou is. And I super don't know what thus and such is. That's okay. All right. Um, we want to get a Bible in your hands that is accurate. That's God's word, but in a way that you can actually also understand it. Crazy. I know. Um, and so we're going to jump in this morning. This is Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 26. It says this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted, insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Well, he sent the people home. Now, here's the thing. If you ever read a passage that says something like, immediately after this, I hope that your mind just goes, wait, after what? What just happened? What was important enough that the author tied these things together? 
And don't just skip past that. I do want you to like, oh, well, let me back up a little bit and see what happened just before this. And we're not going to read through all of it, but I am going to read a couple of passages because immediately after this, the thing that had just happened that Matthew is referring to is the feeding of the 5,000. And just before that, there was something else that was huge in the life of Jesus. And if you want to talk about living out the grace of God in the midst of chaos, then this passage has got to be one that you spend some time in this week. I want you processing this in your small groups. I want you taking some time and saying, Lord, I look at what you did here. Number one, I'm blown away, but God, I want to learn from you. I want to practice what you did in these passages. I want to understand how you walked through this in the power of the Holy Spirit, because God, that's the power you've made available to me. So as, as we look at this, immediately following the feeding of the 5,000, if we go back to Matthew chapter 14, verse 12, it says this, Chapter 14, verse 12 through 18 says, Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. You see, literally just sentences before we see this passage that we're looking at today. Jesus receives word that John the Baptist, his his cousin, a man that was the way preparer for Jesus. He was the prophet sent by God, the first prophet in 400 years sent to the Jewish people talking about the Messiah, preparing them for the coming of the King. You see, man, John, in the womb, recognized the presence of Jesus in the womb. These men were connected by God in an incredible way. And Jesus just received word from John's disciples, those who followed John around. John was kind of the predecessor, and he was doing ministry and talking about the truths of God and preparing the people by saying, repent, get away from your sins so that you can hear from the Messiah when he comes. There were people that were following John around, and when John was murdered, he was literally beheaded for speaking the truth, by the way. John's disciples are mourning, and they come to Jesus and give him the news. John's dead. The one who prepared the way for you is gone. Perhaps the only other human to understand the weight of this level of ministry is no longer here. Please tell me that that would not throw Jesus off of his mental state. I mean, he deals throughout his life. And Jesus gets word in the middle of doing ministry, in the middle of loving people in the middle of telling the good news about salvation in the middle of that process he gets word that John is dead and what's he do as soon as Jesus heard the news he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. I don't, I don't know how your quarantine is going. <laughs> I don't know how many bodies are in your house. I don't know how many other uh, little four-legged friends are in your house. But I know this. 
we haven't had in our house this level of like, we're all here for this period of time ever. And there's times where you start bouncing off the walls and you start coming up with ideas like, I don't know, maybe we should jump off of the roof and see if we can fly. Just crazy things start happening when we are not in control of our surroundings and we don't know, like crazy stuff happens. What did you, it said very clearly, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. That was his desire. I want you to pick up on the practice that Jesus was going towards. Now, did he get to do it? No. <laughs> and I, I want to breathe some life into you today. If you have been, you know, part of one of our discipleship groups, or you're thinking about that, or you have a daily Bible reading that you're doing, and life got so crazy that, the, like yesterday, man, I, I, I wasn't able to get into the Word. I wasn't able to have my quiet time. Listen, Jesus had the same struggle. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get away. But the people followed him. If you've got little ones at home, moms, you know this. There are very few places in the world that they will not find you. (laughs) Jesus knows your struggle. He is with you in that. Dads, many of you are home experiencing some of that reality, maybe that your wife's been living in for a long time. And you're just trying, where can I go? (laughs) Sometimes you can't. Sometimes there is no escape. And so what did Jesus do? He leaned in. Man, I I can't get away from these children. Whose kids are these? They're yours, by the way. Hang on to them. Here's an idea. Lean in with them. And just give them all of your attention. Even if you have no energy left. Even if you are dealing with something else. Even if... You are freaking out about the realities of what's taking place with your work or what's going on in the world. And maybe, man, you just feel so, I need to be, but you can't. Then you know what? Lean in with your kids. It is amazing to me that in this moment, Jesus began to heal their sick. They chased him down. They're like, Jesus, I They didn't know. Your kids don't know the life you're living. They don't understand the pressures you're dealing with. Why? Because they're kids. They don't know. Maybe there's people that are full-grown adults that maybe should know, but are so unaware because they're living in their own world that they press in when you need space. And you're saying, maybe God's giving an opportunity with that adult to say, I do need time alone, but... God has given me this opportunity with you right now. And so I'll take it. And that's what Jesus did. He healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy their own toilet paper. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's not what it says, actually. It was a little coronavirus humor for you. Um, but we, <laughs> what did it say? Let's, let's actually see, say what scripture said, because I told you I would do that. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. It's really interesting to me that Jesus does not like tell his disciples, his students, if you will. Um, Hey guys, this will be on the test. Okay. (laughs) He doesn't say that. He just 
puts these things out. That isn't necessary. Don't send them away. You feed them. <laughs> but we have only five loaves of bread and two rolls of toilet, no, of fit, two fish, they answered. Bring them here. See, if you're taking notes, if you've downloaded the app and you have all that stuff, if you haven't downloaded the app, you can do that. But if you have and you're following along in the notes with us, number one is this. Jesus lived in the middle of chaos. He did not have some monk's life where he just escaped the world. No, no. He engaged in the chaos. He capitalized even on the chaos that everybody else was feeling and he provided answers in the middle of that. He provided help in the middle of that. He provided healing in the middle of chaos. But he regularly did try. If you've ever read through the New Testament, you'll see that regularly we see that Jesus went away to be alone. It says that over and over and over again. He regularly tried to mitigate that chaos by being alone with the Father. Are you at least engaging in the effort <laughs> to try to get along. Now, I know that uh, life is crazy, but let's keep reading because it wasn't always possible for Jesus to get along. But back to uh, Matthew chapter 14, jumping back into verse 23, it says this. After sending them home, he went into the hills by himself. No, you can finish up reading the other passage in Matthew there where he feeds the 5,000. The disciples are like, whoa, that's crazy. We only had this many loaves and this many fish, and we ended up with baskets full after everybody was done eating. And so Jesus does this amazing miracle. But then he says this, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. So he did. His effort originally was to get away after hearing this news about John and his death. He tried to get away, but the people followed him. And so he leaned into that opportunity and he healed their sick and he spoke to them about the good news. And he also fed them, took care of their physical need. And then he sends them home. And then he went away to be alone, to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. <laughs> so here's the thing. Number two is this, that Jesus sacrificed to pray. Mm -hmm. He sacrificed of what he wanted to take care of the needs of others. He sacrificed of the energy that he had, and he leaned in to the Holy Spirit. And <sighs> the wherewithal to be able to, even in that moment, teach his disciples and not say, guys, you handle it. I have to go be alone. He didn't do that. He said, hey, don't send them away. You take care of it. I mean, Jesus, we, we, we can't take care of this. So how would we take? Let's rely on God. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to do something here right now. And he did. And he walked them through and they see this amazing miracle. And once all that is done, then he sends them home and then he goes away to be alone. And you're going to see as this passage progresses that this time that Jesus took was an absolute sacrifice for him. He went away, night fell, and we see as this passage continues that Jesus did sacrifice to pray. My, my question for you before we move on is this. What does your time with God cost you? Mm -hmm. I, maybe you're still in that mode where you're trying to squeeze God into the time that you have. 
between all the other things. And maybe you're super busy and so it gets kind of pushed off. I understand. I mean, we're talking about the chaos of life today. But man, if it doesn't cost you something, you'll never have more time than you have right now. Many of you are not going to work. You're quarantined at home. You have a lot of time. You're trying to figure out. Some of you have TikToked the TikTok out of TikTok. <laughs> Jamie. That's, that's what my... No, uh, that's my wife. Uh, but we, we, we have to make sure that if we are going to engage in this chaotic grace, that we allow God's grace into the chaos of our life and not just allow it, but we invite God's grace and we make space for God's grace in the middle of our chaos, then we have to be paying the price for that because it's worth it. And Jesus did. He did all of the effort and the work and the things necessary that God gave him to do that day. And then he wasn't like, who, you know what I need? I need a nap. No, he said, instead of trying to satisfy my own need with my own answers, I am going to go to my father. And if it costs me sleep, I'm going to do that because God energizes me more than sleep does. Yes, you need sleep. I'm not saying don't sleep, but I am saying that maybe there are things in our life that are not as valuable or powerful as being in the presence of God. And when I say maybe, I mean absolutely nothing in your life is as valuable or powerful as being in the presence of God. Are you making time? Are you sacrificing to have time in the presence of your Father? Verse 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, or I'm sorry, verse 22, after sending them home, he went up on the hill by himself to pray. Night fell while he was up there alone. Jesus had already sent the disciples to cross the lake, right? In verse 24, it says this, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and there was, and they were fighting heavy waves. Again, let's get back to the context here. Let's understand what's happening. After Jesus gets the news that John the Baptist is dead, he tries to get away alone. The people follow him. He doesn't get any alone time. And so he leans in with them and he ministers their needs. And then he sends them home and he says to the disciples, hey, hop in the boat, meet me on the other side of the lake. I have to have some time with the father. And so he does. Jesus goes up on the hill. He spends his time with the father. The disciples get in the boat and they go across. On their way across, heavy winds come up. They're in trouble. Interesting, isn't it? That just because Jesus got along with the Father, it didn't stop the chaos of the world around. Just because you make time with the Father doesn't mean the coronavirus is going to go away. Doesn't mean COVID-19 and all of the things that happen with it just stop. It does not mean that when you carve time out of your life, that your children's lives will just automatically simmer down. (laughs) It will not happen. Your prayer may not calm other people's storms. Understand that. That when we get along with God, that is, that is time we need and we have to have. And we get things in that time that we can't get from anywhere else. We give things up in that time that we can't give up anywhere else. But I hope you understand that when you decide that you're going to 
spend some time with God, it doesn't mean that magically the rest of the world is just going to be like, oh, good job. We'll all calm down because you spent time with Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. It just means that I spent time in God's presence. Maybe I'm a little bit more prepared now Mm -hmm. to deal with the chaos, but the chaos is still there. Your prayer may not calm other storms. Verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. (laughs) So just before sunset, Jesus feeds everybody. Then they collect all the baskets of food. And then Jesus is like, all right, guys, go home. Disciples go across the lake. I got to go spend some time with the father. From sunset, it says that, that night fell while he was away with the father. From sunset until three o'clock in the morning, Jesus has been with the Father. Did it cost him something? Yes, that would typically be time for sleeping. Are you willing to give up anything to spend that time with God? Jesus did. And then he's like, the picture in my mind, you got to understand this, this whole passage goes way, way, way back. I mean, in the way back machine for me, because I remember my dad preaching on this when I was like 11. And then... There was this old magazine, I forget what it was, but it was a Christian magazine, and in the back it always had these, um, like, this section of t-shirts. And one of the t-shirts that were like Christian t-shirts that nobody probably ever wore, if you did, Captain Christian Loserville for you. But (laughs) there was one that was really cool that I always wanted and I never got. Um, I never even asked for it, but it was... I believe it was St. Peter's Surf Club or Surf Shop, St. Peter's Surf Shop. And it had Peter, you know, riding away with no surfboard. And it was just, I like, I, as an 11 year old, I was like, that is the coolest shirt I've ever seen. I need it. Um, nerd moment for me. But like this passage that we're talking about, I just envisioned Jesus after spending time with the Father and the disciples out just struggling in their boat. He's like, you know what? They look like they need some help because now he's in this place where, yeah, I, I've lost somebody that was very dear to me. The chaos of life, I can't get away from. But when I make time to be in the presence of God, he restores my soul. Mm -hmm. And coming out of that place, my view of Jesus is very Andy Griffith theme song. Like him walking out on the water, just like, hey, waves, how you do? Like, just, I've been with the Father. I know that John completed his task. I know that I have a task, and it is not complete yet. I think tonight I'll walk on water. Let's do that. Disciples need some help. And so he just saunters out in the middle of this rage of chaos. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. So it's true that your prayer may not calm other storm, but prayer does provide release. It provides freedom. It provides power. Jesus dealing with the death of John and all just the chaos around him. Freedom. It, to, freedom to focus on what it is that God had called him to be doing. Prayer gives us the freedom to not focus on the chaos, but on the call that God has given us. And being in the presence of God 
makes available to us the power that he alone can give us. When we release the things of our chaotic world to God, he gives us the power to gain the freedom to do his will. Verse 26 says this, When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Well, yeah. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! Like, living in chaos. That's their life. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you walking on the water. Yeah, come on. Literally, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? There are some things that Jesus says that I'm regularly like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You have so little faith. I just, I literally jumped out of a boat to walk on water. Now, you've got to understand, most likely at this time in world history, there weren't a lot of people that were like great swimmers. They had ideas about water and what was under it. Like that was like hell or like the depths and death. And so they, yes, they would get in a boat, but man, swimming may not have been a big, huge, like major pastime for them at this point. But he gets out of a boat, walks across what he considers death, to Jesus, and Jesus says, why do you have so little faith? Now, this is not a knock. I don't think Jesus was being rude at this point. I think he is saying, Peter, dude, you did so well when you kept your eyes on me. I just am asking you a question, not because I don't know the answer, but because I want you to think about it, which is why God always asks questions, by the way. Not because he doesn't know the answer, but because he wants us to think Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. So it may be true that your prayers may not calm other storms. However, number five is our prayer and our God or our God filled presence can calm other storms. Just because you pray and go alone may not make the rest of the world calm down, but it will do something. That when we pray, when we get with God, he's not like, no, garbage. But when we get in the presence of God and we come away and back into the chaos of the world and he is in us, if we have given our life to him, he has given us his Holy Spirit, then man, yes, the Holy Spirit can calm the storms of others. But it's not just because we prayed about it. Please hear me here. Praying about it is great. Jesus went and he was alone with God. But then he went, his presence, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, interacted in the lives of the disciples, and that calmed the storm. I'm just saying that maybe when we pray, 
then we ought to go out and live with the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the people around us, no matter if we're quarantined or not, we can engage in people's lives. And when we bring the presence of God with us, that's what changes the storms. Jesus was with the Father and he came out. I was like, Peter, believe, man. Like, just trust me. Let me get in the boat with you. And then... That calmed the storm. I think God wants us to get in the boat with the people that are in the middle of chaos. That's what I'm saying. I want you to spend time in the presence of God, but I don't want you to just stay there and hide in the presence of God. I want you to take the presence of God with you into the lives of the people that are living in chaos. If you have the ability to take care of a need, as the Holy Spirit directs you, Take care of that need. If just being online with somebody or going and knocking on their door, but staying outside and talking through a screen door and saying, hey, I love you. I just want to be with you in this time. I just wanted to bring the presence of God to you mm-hmm. because he's in me. Mm-hmm. I, I want God to speak to you. I want him to interpret that for you. I want him to challenge you to put that into action this week. So pray about it. God, how do I take your presence to the people around me when I'm not allowed to be closer than six feet? Man, there's so many ways. It's incredible. But I want you praying about that. And I want you then to take action. Don't just keep praying about it. Like, well, pastor, I prayed God didn't say anything. That's because he was sending you. He wanted you to go. So go. Verse 33, then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. They exclaimed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. And they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. The disciples got to see Jesus do incredible things. Literally the night before, the evening before, Jesus does this incredible miracle of feeding 5,000 people with just a little bit, just, I mean, enough provision for one person. That's it. They saw him do that miracle. They had seen him already at this point through Matthew's gospel. They'd seen him do so many miraculous things. It was absolutely incredible. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus sleeping in the middle of a storm on a boat with his disciples. It's like there's a theme going on here, right? Chaotic grace, right? Um, but he... They had gotten to see all of these things. The people in these towns had only heard about Jesus. My question for this for you is this. Has your familiarity with Jesus led you to the point where you're just not expecting him to do great things in your life anymore? I don't want that to be the case. I think the church in America has fallen into that, that we read the things that Jesus did and we go, "Mm, that was probably for some other time. And Jesus is saying to us today, I want to do it right now. Get out of my way so I can. Better thought, maybe join me. 
I think there are people out there who want more Jesus in their life and they want the Jesus that's in scripture. And that might be different than the Jesus they see in our lives. And that's on us. That's not on Jesus. And so I want us to engage in this chaotic grace and say, God, use me, do in me whatever you want, but do it so that other people are benefited by it. Not just me. I want to see your grace in the middle of this chaos, not just for me, not just so I can hoard your grace like I'm hoarding toilet paper or whatever you might be hoarding. No, so that I can take your grace to the people around me so that they can be healed in their chaos by just touching your cloak, by just being close enough to you. I mean, the people in this town just had heard about Jesus. The disciples got to see him do crazy stuff, and they are finally getting, you're the Messiah. The people just heard about it. I don't want us to be so close. I I want us to be close to Jesus, but I don't want us to get just inoculated and like, I don't expect Jesus to do big things. No, expect it, pray for it, and then act on it. God, you said you wanted to do greater things. Jesus, you said we, your disciples, would do greater things than you did. God, I want to do greater things. What greater things do you want to do through me? Send me out. I believe I'm going to take action. That is us bringing God's grace into the chaos around us. So let's do that. Okay? Let's pray. God, you are good. (laughs) Jesus, thank you. Thank you for bringing your grace into our our chaos. We're all going to die. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) For reality and the fact that chaos does not leave us. But Lord, you do not leave us either. Father, forgive us if we have walked away from you. Lord, forgive us if we have become lackadaisical about expecting that you want to do great things in our lives, in the lives of the people that are hungering for you. Father, we praise you. We thank you that as you have called us to join you in repossessing Tucson and all of Southern Arizona, God, You're calling us to be about that business. Mm -hmm. We cannot sit back and wait for some big otherworldly thing to prepare the way and then we'll start. No, God, you have called us to join you right now in the middle of the chaos. And so, Father, we will not neglect getting along with you. And if it costs us something, then good, we make the sacrifice to come and be in your presence. And God, as we are in your presence, when we come away from those times, we never come away from you. We are filled with your Holy Spirit. So God, use us the way you want. You did not fill us with your power so that we could just sit idle. You filled us with your power, with your presence, so that we could bring your grace into the chaos around us, into the lives of people who are hurting and are desperate 
and have no answers of their own. God, I pray that you will teach us and move us into those people's lives so that we can bring your grace, your presence, and your power. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word today, God. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other, Lord. We want to practice this this week. We want to definitely talk about it, but God, we want to take action on it. So Lord, send us out this week in whatever ways we can. God, we want to be safe. We want to take care of those around us, but God, we also want to bring your presence. So show us how to do that. Speak to us this week, Lord. We love you. We thank you. It's in the name of Jesus that we continue to worship you now. Amen. Amen.